ducks, my swans, welcome to the pond. My name is Dorian from group82university.com, basketballceo.com, and basketball is a love language for me. How any basketball player can get more playing time. You know, when you coaching, when I was coaching at Mount Vera, when I was coaching at VCU with Jacksonville, even once I started, like, training guys after the fact or, like, helping guys that were at UCLA or USC or whatnot, you know, they would always ask, like, yo, how can I get more time on the floor? Like, why? how can I get more freedom? How can coach let me rock? What do I need to do? What do I need to say to make sure that I'm able to do what I want to do? Because they always complain about the coach. Coach don't let let me shoot threes. Coach don't let me post up. Coach don't let me bring the ball up. Coach don't trust me. He benched me when I first got going and wooty wooty woo. And I found myself constantly explaining to guys and upping their b-ball IQ because nobody had really invested in the intellectual basketball capital that these guys possessed. Right? If you got basketball players on your team, I don't care what level you coaching. You need to be investing in their intellectual basketball capital. You need to have them understand the game at a higher level. We all see the game differently, but the game is essentially the same for everybody. So if you guys can start seeing the same thing over and over and over again, now you know as a coach you're not going to have to overcorrect them. But most coaches don't ever do that. They never invest into the basketball IQ of their players. They never talk to their players about what's going on in high school, what's going on in college, what's going on in the NBA. They never discuss basketball strategy. Most coaches don't know how to write scout reports. They don't know how to write personnel reports. Even if they do, they just copy and paste what someone else has sent them over the years and just replace the names and replace the strengths and weaknesses kind of like a resume as opposed to actually building from scratch because they don't possess that because they lack the basketball IQ to do that. So this is literally how you can get on the floor more as a basketball player is you have to appeal to what the coach knows. And the first thing you need to do is you need to have a specialty. This is something my homeboy Mike Campbell told me when I was growing up. Mike Campbell, he went to Pike High School. He won a state championship in 1998 at the starting center at Pike. He ended up playing D1 somewhere, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember. But he was like five or six years older than me, and he went to my church. And this is advice he had gave me when I was 14 when I got cut, and I wish I really would have listened to him and really, really applied it because he was right. You know, you're not going to go into a basketball team and you're going to be LeBron. You're not going to be Jordan. You're not going to be Jokic, you know, even though he does have some specialties. You need to have something that you do better than anybody else, and that can be one thing. So your specialty needs to be shooting. Your specialty needs to be ball handling, facilitating, organizing. Your specialty needs to be you are extremely vocal and loud on defense. We're going to talk about that a little bit later the vocal aspect of being a basketball player. It needs to be something where the coach knows that when I put you in the game, I know that you're going to do X, Y, and Z at an exceptional level, regardless of whatever it is you got going on. And for a lot of players, it's really difficult. A lot of players are above average at a lot of things. Or maybe they might be good at some things. But what are you great at? What are you great at? If you are great at something where no one else on your team can do it, the coach has no choice but to put you in the game. If you're an exceptional rebounder, that is someone that has to be on the floor because every defensive possession ends with what? A rebound. So as a player, you have to look at your strengths and weaknesses. You got to look at the things that come easy to you on the floor, not the things you want to do. You want to be Kyrie. You want to be John Morant. You want to be Kevin Durant. 
But what is it that comes very easy to you on the floor? Get exceptionally good at that. And then the second thing to make sure you get more playing time is to be consistent. You got to be consistent with your specialty. Whatever it is, you got to make sure that whenever your number is called, whenever your name is called, whether it's workouts, whether it's preseason, whether it's practice, whether it's games, that coach is going to be able to depend on you because you are consistent with your specialty. And the way you get consistent with your specialty is by putting in work. If you are an elite shooter, that's what you say you are. You are the best shooter on your team. You are going to be consistent with your shot. You need to be making a 1,000 shots a day. Now, when you're in middle school and you're in high school, that's going to be very difficult, right? Because you might not have the rebounding for that. You might not have the time. You might not have the access to that. But as you get older and you start getting attached to these programs that have a gun, you start getting attached to these programs that have two, three people that will rebound for you. You start getting attached to these programs that have unlimited gym access, unlimited practice facility access. When you finally get to that point where your basketball capital that you own, not just the intellectual basketball capital, but your talent your, is a social currency, you need to use that basketball talent, which is your social currency, to get you access to a gym. You need to bring other people in there with you or tell that coach to bring people in there with you or tell that trainer to bring people in there with you. If that AAU coach really cares about you, he's going to rebound for you for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, however long it takes. You need to make sure you hit a 1,000 shots. Don't shoot a thousand shots you need to hit a thousand shots and i'm not saying just hit regular shots you got to hit game shots so it might be spot shooting right mid-range spot shooting short corner pinch pulse nail pinch pulse of the short corner you might got to hit 10 10 at each spot but you need to be doing it at game speed you need to be elevating all the way up you need to be making sure you follow through and flicking your wrist. As you get tired, you need to keep shooting because basketball is a game of conditioning. And you're going to be fatigued. And you got to know how to hit shots when you're fatigued. And when you start practicing at that speed, when you start practicing at that level, when you start making your workouts and your practices harder than games ever will be, when you get in the game, you're going to be consistent with your specialty. Another specialty that you can be consistent with is your effort. Right, that's something that doesn't matter what your shot is, how your shot's going, doesn't matter what the scout report is, doesn't matter if coach has gotten on you or if coach is really leaning on you today because he needs more out of you than he can get from other people. You have to have exceptional effort. And when you have exceptional effort, coaches pay attention to that. We see that. We see who's getting after it. We see, we know who's doing the fake me out hustle act like they hustle and they really not. They just hustling because they turn the ball over. He want to sprint back on defense and challenge a dunk even though he's 5'11". He get boomed on by somebody 6'10". You turn the ball over. Don't try to fake me out. We're talking about people that really, really put in the effort. And effort isn't situational. Effort is every day. It's all the time. It's on and off the court. It has to be a code of ethics that you live your life by. And when you live your life by that, it's going to spill over into the court. Another way that you can guarantee that you're going to get more consistent playing time is by being vocal. And this is something that I feel when I was younger, coaches didn't really emphasize that much because they didn't want players talking back to refs and all that stuff. And that's not what I mean by being vocal. But you need to be speaking to your teammates, both positively and negatively. You need to be holding people accountable. 
whatever the coach is saying, whatever the coach is emphasizing, you need to be re-emphasizing that. And when you're vocal, you're going to stand out and you're going to alienate yourself from your teammates a little bit. You're going to look like you kissing butt. You're going to look like that you sucking up. It's going to look like that you are a person that's trying to get more than what the coach is trying to give. This is basketball, man. You are in a lot of goofy, silly, embarrassing, corny situations all the time if you really pay attention to it from that I got to be cool lens. You got to get rid of that. This is basketball, man. You got to play. and You got to be vocal. And everybody doesn't know everything. And as a coach, we get trained to continue to repeat ourselves over and over and over again. That's a part of being a coach. At the same time, it feels really good that when I see something wrong on the floor and I see players correct themselves, because I've said it so much, it's sinking in somebody's brain. And whoever speaks up and says that, that's who's usually going to rise to the top and be a leader. Being vocal is something you can be consistent with all the time. That's just not a good day or a bad day thing. You need to have that in you all the time. And that starts in practice. That starts from learning. That starts from educating. That starts from, like I said before, investing into your intellectual basketball capital and increasing your b-ball IQ. And when you do that, and Coach sees that you consistently do that, he has no choice but to play you because you're somebody that's consistent with your effort. You're somebody that has a specialty. You're somebody that puts a lot of work into your specialty. You're somebody who's vocal. You're somebody who's echoing the sentiments and the morals and the values of this program. That's the stuff that's going to get Coach to depend on you and lean on you. You need to also try to have relationships with everybody that's on your staff. There are some guys on your staff who are extremely weird. And there are some guys on your staff who you're going to hit it off with immediately. But when the staff is meeting with each other, I don't do this. I never done this. If I really have a, I ain't going to say, there ain't really too many players I didn't like. Maybe like one or two in my entire coaching career. But if my personality didn't mesh with some players, I didn't let that get in the way of if he's going to help the team when we were having these staff meetings. Now, other coaches, they don't do that. They'll walk into the staff meeting, and if they don't like you, they're not going to give you anything because that's just how they are. They're petty, they're vindictive, they're childish, they're insecure, so they're going to take it out on you. But when you put in an effort and you're consistent with every single coach, when every coach feels like there's a line of communication with you, that is going to allow you to be trusted at a much higher level because there are messages that the coach might want to deliver to a specific player, but he knows that that player is tired of hearing his voice. He's becoming numb to it. He knows that that same message comes from you. That player might perk up and he might listen. What are you doing to put yourself in that position where coach can do that? I think you should just have a point blank, honest conversation. I think a lot of times the problem with players and coaches mm -hmm. is that there's too much coded language. Too many people trying to salvage emotions and salvage feelings. This is basketball, man. We have to talk fast. We have to talk quick. We have to talk loud because the game is fast and loud and quick. So start having these conversations with coach where you're open and you're honest. You're being transparent. Ask him directly. Do you want me to start talking to such and such about such and such? What message do you want to get out to the team that you aren't just saying when we are in the locker room and you are the solo speaker and all of us are listening to you? What message do you want me to integrate when it's in the private conversations? When we're in the dorms, when we're on the plane, when we're on the bus, when we're on the hotel. What is the message you want me to deliver, coach? You have to be an extension of who he is. Because coaches are insecure. 
Like I just told you, they're nervous Nancys. They feel like they're always going to get fired because they are. And they're always trying to make adjustments. And coaches take losses harder than they will ever celebrate a win. So they want to avoid losing at all costs. So when they feel like that they aren't just coaching their team up, but they feel like there are players who are also as invested emotionally as they are and that are coaching with them, that allows the coach to have a lot more trust. And that's when you're going to start seeing a lot more creativity from that coach. Coaches only try creative offenses with players that they trust. They only try creative defenses with players that they, that they trust. Y'all want to shoot more threes in a game? Have your coach trust you. Y'all want to have a defense that, you know, is high pressure and has a lot of turnovers and has a lot of risk where it's an up-and-down game? Have your coach trust you. Because if he doesn't trust you, he's going to call the same plays for the same guys over and over on offense. And when we get back on defense, it's going to be man-to-man. It's going to be zone. Because he's playing it safe. He's playing it conservative. Because there's a large margin of error because he doesn't trust you. And this just isn't basketball advice. This is life advice. Any relationship where you want more freedom, any relationship where you want to connect with more people outside of that relationship, any relationship that you want to elevate to the next level, you want it to be in your life in perpetuity, it requires trust. And coaches are no different. So although you're not related to them, although you're not their friend, although y'all not dating, you still have to charm them. They're soft. They're insecure. They have massive egos. Their entire love language, especially at the college and NBA level, is charming. They have to charm people to keep a job. A lot of them have to charm because they don't have the basketball IQ, the intellectual basketball capital, to explain anything in the world of basketball because they have no idea what they're doing. But because they are playing the politician role, because they are a charmer, that's what allows them to have this opportunity. And you can get the exact same thing. You have to look at this like a sales position. You have to put in the effort. Your mama ain't going to do it. Your daddy ain't going to do it. They can make all the phone calls they want. You can have this alum and this trainer and this AAU coach and this agent and, and this college coach and this Nike rep, and it doesn't matter, man. It comes down to you because that coach is seeing your habits every single day. So you got to make sure that you're consistent with them, and that's how you'll get more time on the floor. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. I'm out the pond. Y'all stay true. Fold the love. Fold, fold, fold the love. Fold the love now.